If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, we answer fitness and health questions that are asked by listeners like you. But the way we open the episode is by talking about current events, things that are on our mind. Sometimes we mention our sponsors. That's known as the intro portion of the episode. Today's episode was 44 minutes of intro. The rest was fitness questions. Here's what went on in today's episode of Mind Pump. We open up by talking about public versus private schools. So we had a discussion about the value of each and which what each one brings to the table. Stay with us. Then we talked about CBD, cannabidiol, its uh, anti-anxiety effects, its neuroprotective effects. And then we uh, gave talked about some current events uh, news around CBD. By the way, we work with a company called Ned that makes full-spectrum hemp extract, which also contains CBD. This is the CBD product that we recommend. It's the one that we like the, the best. only one. And of course, because you listen to Mind Pump, you get a discount on their product. All you got to do is go to HelloNed, that's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash Mind Pump, and you'll get 15% off your first purchase. Then we talked about the canceling of the Arnold Classic and the coronavirus. We talked about ghost flights in Europe. These are planes flying without ghost people ride in them. the whip. Really weird. Then we talked about the VIP dinner we had with some fun guests. These are people who came to our live event who paid extra to come hang out with us for dinner. What a great time. Uh, we talked about the coronavirus again and how elderberry uh, may actually prevent uh, it, the coronavirus from getting too bad. That's my own speculation, by the way. It's not fact. Uh, we talked about Pringles. The guy who invented Pringles did some hey, weird hey, stuff. Fun fact. Then we got into the fitness question. The first question, what's your take on red light therapy? Does it actually help reduce the appearance of cellulite? So red light therapy... Uh, you know, there's a company we work with called Juve that makes a product that produces this red light, and it's purported to help a lot of things, uh, reduce wrinkles, cellulite, regrow hair. I know it sounds crazy, but believe it or not, there's actually studies supporting it. Mm. So we talk about those studies and that part of the episode. And of course, because Juve is one of our sponsors, we have a discount for you. If you go to juve.com, that's J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash mind pump, you get a free MAPS Prime program with the purchase of $500 or more and Boom. free shipping. By the way, they have finance programs. So if you don't want to pay it outright, you'd like to make payments, you could do 12 months at 0% APR financing for the Juve Go, Mini, and Solo, or 18 months, that's 0% APR financing for the Juve Duo, Max Quad, and Elite. So they do hook you up. Pretty much all of them. The next question, if I lift heavy, will it cause my joints to hurt over time? If so, is there any way to prevent it? So we talk all about heavy lifting, the right way to do it, the wrong way to do it, and how your joints may actually benefit from heavy lifting if you do it the right way. No pain, all gain. The next question, uh, this person says, is it better to do small portions of mobility work throughout the week, or should you dedicate a full day to just mobility? So which one is better? Which one is more effective? The final question is, what can I eat in a day? Uh, these vlogs are very popular on social media. What do we think? Why do why are they so popular? So we talk all about these what I eat in a day vlogs and why we think so many people are so interested in these things. Yeah, Justin thinks they're super boring. Also, this month, all month long, our newest MAPS program, MAPS Powerlift, is 50% off. So this is a powerlifting-inspired workout program. So if you really want to get your bench press 
deadlift and squat to go up, or if you're interested in training for strength rather than appearance, uh, or if you want to compete in a powerlifting competition, get this program. It's super valuable. Again, it's half off. Here's how you get the discount. Go to mapspowerlift.com and use the code POWER50. That's P-O-W-E-R-5-0, no space, for the discount. T-shirt time! And it's T-shirt time! Ah, shit, Doug. You know it's my favorite time of the week. ha We have three winners. Uh, the winners for iTunes are Jan94044 and DRod3650. For Facebook, we have one winner. It's James Burnham. All of you are Burn winners. Them all, James. Send the name I just read to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com. Include your shirt size and your shipping address, and we'll get that shirt right out to you. I think it's fascinating what you brought up the other day about uh, the that public schools. You know, it's so weird to me, and I, I wonder if this is going to get disrupted in our time where, uh, what do they say, the average kid cost a public school how much? Well, it depends where, but I know in California- <laughs> 10000 a year or California, something? California, it's around $10,000 a year. Which a good private school you can get for ten to $14,000. You can get a decent one, especially Catholic school. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, for 10000 yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's you can almost get that in the Bay Area. You can get that other places. For- you know what the big problem, I think, is? Is that people don't have a choice. It's based on where you live. So yeah. there's a lot of people who are stuck in whatever circumstance trying to make ends meet. And then on top of it, the school that they have to send their kid to mm-hmm. is terrible. Because here's the thing. There's definitely private schools that are better than other private schools. But when you go to public schools, and there's some public schools that are good too. But if you look at the bad ones, the bad public schools are really bad, mm-hmm. like really, really bad. There's some in some areas that are just, they're basically like drop your kid off and it's babysitting and then you pick them now, up Now, people that are in yeah. the system, you know they, the way they think the answer to that is more money infused into those, right? You don't. Like that's the idea. One of the worst things you can do is give more money to something that's failing without them figuring out why mm. they're failing. It's yeah. just bad business, bro. It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, it makes no so. ma- it makes no sense. You just incentivize bad behavior. Dude, you know what's a good example of this? Okay, so it's like the FDA. FDA is an example of this. We're so, not starting with all this, are we? No. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Wait, are, we, okay. are we not? Yeah, Here we, we go. Are. Why, why can't right. you, you talk about this? No, no, here's a good example. Not to talk about that's fine. I know we're coming in hot yeah, politics. Yeah. Right no, it's right not right politics. It's not, no, no, it's yeah. just it's, no. This is interesting now. I mean, so, these, are, these are this is interesting conversation for me now that I have a child, sure. right? So I think about this stuff. So, a lot. so I'll give you an example. So, let's say the FDA, um, let's say something passes through the FDA and it ends up getting people sick, like a recall on uh, Tylenol or some spinach that has E. coli on it or something like that, right? And that happens. Let's say that happens a few times. The result of that is typically more funding. So the FDA fucks up, they don't catch something, and of course nobody's perfect, but they don't catch something or they really mess up, like in the case of, of certain over-the-counter medications that have gone through you know, uh, you know, their, their process. And what they end up doing is saying, hey, we're, we need more money, that's why we're messing up. And they end up getting more money. Now with a private uh, company, the opposite is true. If they screw up, they don't get no money. The next guy who does a better job gets more money. There's competing, there'd be competing agencies. So the F, so companies like the FDA or public schools, here, here's a public school failing, not doing well at all, almost always gets put on the fact that they need more money or that they're lacking uh, enough funds. That's always where it goes. It's almost never, hey, we're doing what the money isn't good or we're not allocating it right or we're not being very efficient. Mm-hmm. It's almost always we need more funding. And if you look at the charts, you could see that, uh, that a lot of them have received more funding and haven't improved 
uh, at all. So what what I think should happen is I think I think people should have a choice. I think if you have so the money, you should be able to choose where you so go. So explain to me then how does a, okay if a if the if the government gives the and I'm, I'm assuming that it's an average number, right? When yeah. We, when we throw a number around like ten thousand per kid, right? Per, right. That's California, I believe. Okay. So let, and so these are these numbers are arbitrary, mm-hmm. right? So, They're different, right? So you have uh, ten thousand. We'll just say for argument's sake in this conversation, the average public school is getting per child, and if the uh, a, a private school is roughly the same thing. What 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 is it that the private school is getting that it allows them to produce such better results? They can't. I can't imagine they can't pay the teachers that much more. They don't. So then, what teachers what, don't make much more in private schools, or sometimes they make. So less. what is it? Is it really because the it's, the private school is allowed to do their own curriculum? They don't have to follow what the what everybody to else. To some extent, they still have to follow uh, state guidelines. They still have certain things that they have to follow. So they're still. Under the you know the regulation of the state, are they really just managed that much better? Well, think about it this way: if you if your kid if you're sending your kid to a private elementary school, right, and you don't like the way they're doing something, what do you do? Well, I go talk to the principal. Yeah. Okay, but let's say or the principal, or I pull my kid out and take him somewhere, else. and they lose their yeah. money. Right now, you let's let's now let's say you're a parent. You don't you can't afford to pay for an extra ten thousand dollars a year for private school, so your kid goes to public school. Now your kid is going to this public school down the street that your your district is a part of, where you live. This is where your kid's supposed to go. You can't pull your kid out, or if you do, it's really fucking hard. So you really think that's the difference? Yeah. Because so, if that's the case, then how does why does it? It makes total sense to me that everybody in in the in the in the United States should get a ten thousand dollar voucher that they can go apply to any school that they want because then that allows all and, and all schools charge like a like a private school would and that would even allow private schools to increase their rates because now I'm getting cuz right now yeah, you so, can add to it or something right like right like right now you have to pay out of pocket to send your kids to private school right now right. so how nice would that be if 10,000 of that was taken right off because the the government gives That's you- actually something so voucher programs have been used in some states Isn't that like a charter school or is uh, that different No Wait, different that. a little bit different charter schools are, are a little bit different they and they do get Give more choice though, and they tend to outperform regular public schools. Okay, but it's a hundred. Look, uh, lots of politicians propose that they want a voucher system where a parent. Yeah, and you know who's I saw the, that on the ballot for even in our district. Yeah, so. and, and California used to have that back in when California had the best public schools. Uh, a lot of our schools did that, and then mm-hmm. it went to this now where you can't do that. Now, why do you think uh, people don't want a voucher system? Well, because now you're going to lose money if you suck. You're going to mm-hmm. you're, you're going to lose lots of money. And you don't want to you don't want to be beholden to that kind of competition. You want to be able to be like, no, no matter what, these kids are guaranteed to go here. Otherwise, what you'll end up seeing because here's what would happen if we did a, a system <clears> like that nationwide: you see a lot of schools close down, <clears> and you'd see other schools grow. And they don't want to do that. By the way, the, the people that support that the most are low income uh, individuals, and to break it down even further, single parent low income households support voucher systems the most because they're typically stuck with the shitty public school in their poor neighborhood and they have no choice um when they're given the opportunity to send their kids to other schools oh my god they they go crazy mm-hmm. and that's that's one of the best possible so you're right I, I don't understand why we don't i think that we should have a little bit of those forces well you know what you would call market forces for public schools so that the bad so the bad schools suffer if you do bad job guess what you lose money because kids are going to go somewhere else now is it are, are you at least set that you get a tax break for that for doing what? Because I feel like at the bare minimum, no, you get no tax rate. Nothing. So no, 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 no. Nothing. So I'm paying for public schools and private school. That's yeah. 
that is just makes no sense to me. Well, you at know, the bare minimum, I feel like you should be able to get that right. They would, could, but see, then they, they would argue and say that they would lose funding for because here's the thing, and this to me like paints the picture. It's like the welfare if, system. If you're so afraid of losing funding because we're going to allow people to take a tax credit for paying for private, then that right there tells you that your schools aren't doing a good job. Mm-hmm. If 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 you're afraid that people are going to take their money out because they they can now, that means that you're you're not doing a great job. But anyway. That's the big issue. So I think I think I would agree with a, a voucher system. I think why not? Why not give parents the 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 opportunity? Have you ever have you ever looked into what they do with underperforming teachers in public schools? It is very hard. Yeah. To get them to be well, removed, especially if they're or, tenured or, or something like that. Tenured. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's crazy uh, how hard it is. They shuffle them. They just move them back and forth and do. And you, if you can look into some of the some of the there's some stories that you can read and you're just like, oh my gosh, why hasn't this teacher been been moved or fired or whatever. Right. I remember when they were used to be afraid to like in, in the fitness space when they used to f- be afraid to fire a trainer and they do that. You know, they have, shuffle them around. Yeah, they just shuffle them around to other clubs. And, and I remember being somebody like what? Like I, I remember being somebody who would like call up to my district manager and say, "Hey, uh, this Justin kid is just fucking not performing. Like I yeah. can't. You know, he's I a got, little piece of shit. Yeah, I can't. I gotta <laughs> get rid of him. I know he's got a lot of our clients. I know he's been here. You know, before I got here, yeah. but I gotta get rid of him. I can't. I can't. I can't lead this team with him." He's fat. So, yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't live the brand. Yeah. So I would call my DM and, and before, you know, you'd have to run by before you do a, a fire and stuff. And a, a lot of times if they'd been somebody been there a long time and, you know, they'd be afraid to, oh, my God, that's going to shake things up. And, you know, he's got this. He's already got some clients. So let's move him over to Parkmore or let's move him over to Capital. Let's move him to another club. And I'd always think like that's yeah. such terrible leadership like yeah. he's he's only going to go poison another staff why would you do that he used to do that all the time yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. same type same same mentality right yeah yeah absolutely well you know here's the here's the good news about it because our, although our education generally does poorly when you compare to other countries our private uh, universities crush um oh, they're super expensive but they crush mm-hmm. uh but um we still innovate very very well okay. so although we don't seem to do well on test scores and stuff like that uh, our innovation still is is exceptional, and I think that's more of a of a result of our culture. Exactly. I was going to speak to the culture, but we always talk about like the differences between good gyms and bad gyms, and all. It's the same applies to the the school system. Yeah. It's like you're, cre- you're creating and fostering this you know thriving culture where everybody is you know stimulated and and teachers are motivated to. Uh, you know, like teach these kids that want to be there. It, you know, it's 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 all part. It all goes hand in hand. It's like if you got one poison, you know, teacher in there that hasn't, you can't remove them. It's going to affect everybody. Yeah, but I'm I'm referring really to the general culture of uh, of this country where we we really value independence, independent thought, rebellious thought. Um, there's some downsides to that, right? It can be a little tumultuous. But the plus sides is. We have a lot of innovation. We're really encouraged to innovate, whereas in some other cultures, being different or stepping outside of what the norm is is so shunned that they have good productivity but terrible innovation as well. Well, to the point of public schools versus private schools, what do we look like in comparison to other countries? Like, I have no idea what it's like. In Our other- private schools do very well. Our public schools do pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what do other countries typically have? Do they have a similar split, like where they run half public, half half private or do a lot of other countries uh, are they completely public what do they what do they look that's like that's a good question i know public school is uh, publicly funded schools are present in, in every every uh, developed nation i can think of um, and you know what's funny if you look at the investments the government investments education 
is a, it tends to be one of the smarter investments. We can show some pretty good, typically some pretty good returns with uh, with with smart investment there. But it's it's a present everywhere. I think we have the largest private uh, school um, business, I guess you would say, in comparison to other countries. We have a pretty thriving private school market, especially the universities. Right, our universities are not publicly funded. Um, and they're very expensive for other reasons. I think we've tried to make them more affordable by giving away money so easily, which has only bloated the cost uh, of universities. Um, but uh, but still, in comparison, our universities are the most sought after. Now, do we have statistics to show uh, you know what percentage of kids go on to be successful entrepreneurs or big businessmen and women that that came from a private school in comparison to a public school? Like, how successful are they 10, 15, 20 years from now? <laughs> you, I have my theories, but I don't, I don't have You know statistics. what's funny about that? It's so hard to tease out other factors <clears throat> right. because- if uh, right, I'm, so I'm, many... a pro- I'm a product of of a public school, right? right? So there's got to be there's got to be plenty of other versions of myself, and I know you are too, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, Justin, you were. I too. did both. You yeah. did both. Yeah. So like college was all private. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I you know public. Uh, well, I went to a state school first for for college, but yeah, I was definitely a product of both, and mainly the public school I was in. I was actually fortunate that uh, it, you know the culture itself and like they performed very well, and so uh, you know my experience there has been pretty good. Uh, but uh, I, I could see the points made, especially if you're in an area where it's like you don't have access to, you know, a real quality school like that. I think there's a problem there. And, and I'm I'm definitely like one to address that. Yeah. You know what the biggest uh, impact is, is uh, parent involvement, regardless of whether that, it's that, that's or key. Yeah. And I think I might have spoke to that a, a while back. But yeah, like we, you know, want to be in the decision making process. So you want to be, you know, a part of the board. You want to get yourself, you know, ingrained in the, you know, like whatever you can in terms of the community aspect, uh, because they do listen. If you're there and you're representing your kids and, and you're representing everybody else, like they're going to listen to you as a parent. So that, no, that's an interesting point because I know that my, my brother-in-law has his kid right now that's in a uh, private uh, middle school right now. It's a Catholic school over in the Bay Area. And uh, the school actually forces a lot of the involvement. Yeah. I mean, you're he, required. Oh yeah, he's required to do a, a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's there's he's got to show up to quite a few events. He's got to help. Like I've never, I mean, I've never seen that in a public school before, not to that extent. Mm. So if that's a true stat, what you're saying, Sal, that you know, a lot of it has more to do with parent involvement, whether it's public or private. Uh, I mean, it's pretty ironic Dude. to me that then yep. the, the the private school is knows that obviously, and then they make that a part of the curriculum. Well, one of the reasons yeah. why the private school does that is because it, it, in order for them to provide their services for their lower cost, and Catholic schools are the lowest cost uh, private schools, so they typically cost less. Part of it is, of course, they have a tax; they don't pay taxes like other you know institutions. And the other part of it is that strategy exactly right there. So what they do is they can cut costs on personnel by requiring parents mm-hmm. uh, to volunteer and do other things. And uh, and they actually give you options. So some of these schools will say you volunteer this many hours per year or you pay this much in tuition. So then it's up to the parent to decide if they want to pay more or if they want to volunteer. But there's a bit of a self-selection bias going on too. I think that the sometimes the parent who's willing to pay extra is also willing to- The parent that cares more, right? Maybe maybe just has more time, maybe has more resources, or maybe cares more. Yeah. I'm not sure. So, But I think that's the biggest- yeah. And that's not to say that somebody who sends their kid to public school, yeah. I think, doesn't care. I just Obviously, if you're investing in that, you care. You might. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you might. Yeah. But again, it might have just because you have more resources, more time. You know, The parent who, who can't, doesn't have that opportunity <clears throat> might just have no time because they're working two jobs. Yeah. Uh, you know, or, or you So know, it's good to give them is. options. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. But parent involvement is, the, is definitely the biggest 
one, and it's hard to tease out. Because uh, I'll tell you what, you know what has a great, if you look up the statistics of education, you know which one has a great success rate? Homeschooling. Yeah. yeah. Homeschooled kids crush. Mm. When you really break it down, and this this is controversial, I know some people think it's controversial, when you really break it down, homeschooled kids tend to kick ass. But now, is it because they're not getting educated mm. the formal way, or is it because mom and dad spent so much time you know, with their kid trying to, you know, educate them and, you know, spend so, we're so involved. Hmm. I think it probably has more to do with that. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause they're so hyper involved. So. I mean, they're definitely, yeah, they're doing well academically. I don't know, you know, socially <laughs> I've met quite a few homeschool kids. Well, you that's know, a that, problem. that's a big myth. So I had yeah. friends who were really it, big. It in is homeschool. And it isn't. I was going to yeah. say it is and it isn't. I'm yeah. with Justin on that. I have cousins some that fucking weird kids. So, uh, <laughs> well, my, my, my cousin, my cousin, Stephanie is the, and you guys know who she is. She's been down here, but she's a big fan of the show. Um, for sure. Listening right now. And she's raised all of her kids that way. Now, they have they have things that they put in place to make sure that doesn't happen. Like part of the curriculum is yeah. other activities and sports and things with kids on a for sure, sure weekly, maybe even daily basis. They, yeah, they you have. can do that. Yeah, like I think that's that's going to solve that. Like for me, like and I've met uh, <laughs> some parents that are doing that where they have they're in all the different sports. Like they're they're in all the different like extracurricular activities. They even like have you know they show up to the school for certain things too. So they have options for them to interact. Yes, so, there's lots of options. Yeah, there's lots of options. Here's but. the reason why you may notice that home, some homeschool kids are a little weird or different or not the same socially. It's because the kinds of the the the, ty- the times when parents tend to take their kids out of school is because they struggle in school because they have certain issues. Mm. So what you'll find among the homeschool population is a greater percentage kind of, of kids selection there. Yes, yeah. you'll see a greater selection of kids who have. Learning, oh, you know, challenge it. Well, yeah. it's. A, I know. I, I was very deep in this. I had clients that were really deep in the, in the homeschool, mm. uh, you know, uh, community. Yeah, here in California. And did a and, lot of them start first in school and yes. then they pulled them out? Yeah. Okay. So their yeah, kid that's another thing. has some challenges. One kid I know had such severe food allergies. That's why the parent took him out. I know a kid who was just struggling in math and reading, and the public school system just was not doing a good job. And the kid was smart. He was sharp. Yeah. But the way the school was handling it, it was making him feel really bad about himself. And he started to display Mm. destructive behavior. So the parents took him out. Now this kid is a grown adult. And, you know, uh, is he a little different? Maybe. But he's super charming. Great kid. Super cool. Like, uh, what's the word I want to use? Very adjusted, well-adjusted to adults and other kids. And Mm -hmm. I, his parents a hundred percent made the right decision by taking him out of of that situation. I think you see that a lot Yeah, is where they're, you know, Oh, my kid is struggling because they're maybe a little different. So mm-hmm. I'll take them out, and so that's why I think you see. I'm just being real, dude. I've yeah. seen a few fucking weirdos, <laughs> and I had to put it out there because I know we always like, uh, you know, try and cover our tracks. But you know, hey, I, have you guys been getting this? I've had some uh, messages, and I'm actually not even sure how to dance around this, uh, responding to these type of questions. But I'm getting more and more parents that are interested and curious about using CBD for the anxiety that some of these kids have. Have you guys heard any of that? And have you got any messages similar? I have. I hmm. uh, As of right now, it's not approved uh, to be given to children. Ch- ex- child consumption? Yeah, except in uh, medical situations where they they're either have seizures or other approved conditions. Like, for, like CBD got approved uh, by the FDA for treating 
um, a form of epilepsy that's uh, that you see in kids that's just absolutely devastating. Now, do you think this is just because of the stigma it still kind of has around it right now? Because I feel like it's a much safer drug than some of the drugs that these kids are getting prescribed for anxiety. You could make that case 100%. You could try to make that case, but it's still a medication. And so I would say proceed with caution. I wouldn't recommend it um, unless you're recommended by a doctor. Because look, CBD has real effects in the body. It's not benign. Yeah. You know, it's like you take it and it doesn't do anything. Mm. It's got real genuine effects. And the anxiety effects are the, are the, mo- are the most powerful. I mean, you, it's clear, especially when you use full spectrum, right? When you have like hemp extract that has other cannabinoids, you can tell. You take it and 30 minutes later... Your your anxiety is greatly diminished. You now, could totally tell. What's your guys' theory on that? Do you think that's going to change in our time? Do you think it's going to be something that will be more widely accepted, and we'll hear about parents starting to use? Because we we know that the the rise of anxiety and and anxiousness, right, in these kids at this just generation that's coming up, and for we've speculated on all the reasons why hmm. why it may or may not be. But instead of actually using like a pharmaceutical for this, do you think that we're going to see in that and? What I'm hearing from what, and this is of course my own little bubble of DMs that I get of parents that are proceeding to do it regardless of what they are being told they should or shouldn't do it. And I obviously I don't come in and say what I think. I'm not a fucking doctor, right. I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm not I'm not telling them they should or shouldn't do that. Personally, myself though, if I was in that situation, I don't know. I would I would I personally would want to lean on trying that before I did some pharmaceutical. Well, so okay, so I'm going to proceed with caution because I'm not an expert in this. I'm not a doctor, right. but here's how I would and I'm going to use my fitness uh, my understanding of fitness and health through my expertise and try to apply it here. The way that I would use an anxiolytic or or anti-anxiety drug with a child, whether it's CBD or or something else, would be as a way to reduce anxiety enough so I could have them do the things that I know are going to reduce anxiety long-term, like exercise, go outside, change diet, you know, hang out with other kids. All the things that the doctor would prescribe for them to do. All the stuff that, you know, long-term is going to have a a major, like if they're so anxious that they can't meet up with friends, then maybe medicating them a little bit so that they at least can meet with friends and then they build the relationships and then we take them off, Mm. you know, medication, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Rather than leaning on having to take something all the time to fight this feeling, it's just really a signal of, Maybe your lifestyle, maybe because because I mean I see a huge difference in my kids when they're outside, when they're not on their computers or their their tablets, yeah. When they're doing stuff, a huge, a, a massive, massive right. Difference. And it's not a again. It's uh, instead of taking it, trying just to mask the root cause. It's you know maybe a a segue into helping you get to the you know the things that you should be doing that will really make a long Dude, a long CBD. Impact. So in 2018, we passed the farm bill, which allowed for the growth uh, for hemp uh, industrial hemp. Uh, to be grown federally, right? So uh, for a while, that was real hard to get around trying to go hemp. So since then, CBD products have exploded because CBD from marijuana, illegal. CBD from hemp, still legal. Uh, still legal. I mean, there's a little bit of gray area there, but it's still legal. So you've seen an explosion. Plus, people are really finding a lot of value, especially for anxiety. They're, they're, they're mm-hmm. finding... T- so they're expecting the sales to double... In the next five years. And then I just read a study that showed that uh, CBD um, prevents uh, brain cell death um, in situations where uh, there's, you know, uh, situations where that could potentially happen, where you have like a poor diet or Mm -hmm. you're not getting enough oxygen. 
which might be good for like MMA fighters or uh, you know trauma, you know brain trauma, like with maybe football right. players. Neuroprotectant. Yeah, it's re- it's it's really. That, crazy. I mean, and that's really where I lean on it, uh, you know, quite a bit, and I've been using it quite you know consistently over the years, and I know that between that and uh, you know, changing up and making sure I get really good sleep and recovery and really emphasizing that a bit more. Like it's really helped, uh, you know, to, to sharpen, you know, my mind and get, get me to recall information a bit better. And it's like, it's hard to like, of course it's anecdotal, but it's something that I've known has really made a big impact Mm. in what I've been doing. Well, so the the whole anxiety anxious thing, I, I wonder how closely related it is to like how I utilize like CBD, which is for me, you know, it's, it's, you know, semi frequently it's when we have, we just got back from a, an incredible live event again. And, you know, man, I get so hyped, uh, yeah. after those, oh, it's yeah. so hard for me to like come down, just calm everything down, yeah, to yeah. calm down and, and go to bed and nothing has seemed to work the same for me is, I mean, obviously if I don't have my CBD with me, I'm smoking and that kind of does that where it calms, settles me down. And I don't know if that is connected more to a mental thing, if there's something going on in me central nervous system wise, what it is that is that it helps me relax so I then can settle down and go to sleep. Well, it it, mm-hmm. uh, it does act on the, the cannabinoid system and it helps your body utilize, CBD helps your body utilize its own natural endocannabinoids, which do provide the feeling of relaxation and relief. It's like you take a deep breath, you know, it's the same kind of feeling. And it definitely, it definitely does work. And, and it, it works different than like what a drug did. Like there's things that I've taken before. Like if you were to take like, you a, don't feel drugged. Yeah. It, not like no. a, what's the, what's the drug that helps you sleep that everybody takes all the time? Xanax. Like a Xanax. Oh, like if right, I were to take like a Xanax. Like a benzo. I'd, yeah. I would go right to sleep also. Yeah. But it's like a, it's a, that's a heavy feeling when I take it. Very it, different. It's yeah, a it's total like different. Over. And you don't, and you don't get withdrawal. At least I haven't gotten withdrawal from using, cause I'll use the Ned, you know, consistently for a week, depending on the situation. Then I won't use it for, for a week or two. Mm-hmm. And I don't have withdrawal or anything like benzos can cause nasty. Right. Right. Nasty so, but withdrawal. I mean, I say that because I know that I've had people that like they are, they use benzos on a regular basis and then they, they want to switch and try CBD and then they're like, Oh, it's not the same. It's like, Oh no, it's definitely not going to make mm-hmm. you feel like a Xanax makes you feel. Dude, I'll say this though so the fda two or three days ago released a statement on cbd so if you're listening and you uh you know you purchase you know like our ned the ned product that we're sponsored by which is their their full spectrum hemp extract uh pay attention because you may want to stock up because the fda might be getting to the point where they're going to start to to regulate cbd and ban it they made a statement a few days ago that didn't sound very positive really yes so uh, they may be positioning themselves to get to the to a point where they well, say they're trying to patent the whole thing now and like well, it already bring is, it all back to them. It yeah, already is a, so a patented stupid. drug. Yeah. So um, it, I mean, of course, I would imagine there'd be some battles with that before it goes all the way. Even if it were to, though, I feel yeah, like you already opened up the can. I mean, it, it was interesting that us traveling. I was like, oh, I forgot there was states that really like ban all these like even like CBD like like that's like a, a forbidden substance. I know here. we had a, crazy. We had to smuggle the joints in. In South South Allegedly, yeah, to get over to Ohio, we had to wrap that with a lot of plastic. So, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. He, he actually requested Listen, more. I don't, yeah. I don't like joints that much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Rachel gonna, has like a disgusting yeah. look yeah. on her face. I didn't she had no it. idea that's what yeah. she was smoking on the other night. So that's she's like this joint. Surprise! Yeah, tastes weird. Tastes like butterscotch. Why butterscotch? So sweet. Why would it taste like butterscotch? That's so random. I don't know. You tell me. What do you got going on out there, dude? You, Jessica, getting a little. 
weird lately. Disgusting, dude. Oh. bro. Hey, <laughs> some presents. Speaking of traveling, what a great uh, live event we had. Oh, in, in bro. Columbus. So obviously the Arnold Classic. We tried to time it so it was around the Arnold Classic because we figured there'd be a lot of people there, so we could have a live event, and they're going to be there anyway for the Arnold, or you know, gives them two reasons to go travel there. Right. Arnold Classic last minute canceled. Crazy. Last minute canceled due to. Uh, coronavirus fears. Although Ohio has zero coronavirus cases, you know, the mayor literally told them don't hold this event. So it was canceled two days. By the way, I feel bad for the vendors. I don't know if they're getting oh, a refund. I feel, yeah, terrible for them. I, I feel bad for them. And there's been a lot. I know Lane. And the city in general. Lane went on a rant for the entire weekend of like trashing the whole thing. And I know a lot of people that lost a lot of money. And I, and I totally feel for those people. In the defense of Arnold in this, and I know everyone's been bashing him. I, and we had this off air. We discussed this and sim- similar conversation as I'm sure a lot of people had. Like, oh, this is such a bunch of bullshit. Blah blah blah. I don't know if there's anywhere in the world uh, that would be a potentially worse situation for someone who could have the coronavirus and come in and then spread it than the Arnold Classic. And the reason why I think that is, I don't. At least I don't know. And you can talk about all the biggest soccer games. You do not have more than a quarter million people coming to from all over the world because the Arnold attracts, you know, a a, pers- a, a small percentage of people probably from mm-hmm. the United States in comparison to everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it attracts people from all over the world into this small venue that is in closed doors and people are running around sweating, working out and doing strongman competition. Wearing a lot of clothes. Wearing stringers and high fiving and hugging each other. I don't know if there is a a a place in the world that is probably uh, more susceptible to spreading something. Well, the annual World Swingers Convention probably worse. That's the only one <laughs> I can. <laughs> I don't think that gets a quarter million people. How many though? times have you shown up to that? A lot of yeah. people touching. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I don't think that gets even where close to a yeah, quarter yeah. million. You so. know what? So I so I, I I was going back and forth, and then somebody DM me who is an infectious <laughs> de, uh, disease specialist. Because I was like, ah, it's an overreaction. This is crazy. Yeah. So what this person said is they said, look, uh, the general public is overreacting by going to, to Costco, buying up all the toilet paper and water and freaking out. That's probably not a good idea. However, the, the, the way that governments are, per, are, are trying to incentivize or outright tell people, uh, cities, to not hold these big public events, they said that's a good thing because – and they explained to me the exponential growth of a virus, and it made perfect sense. Because once a virus gets to a certain point, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. You, there's nothing you can do. So, for example, in Italy – you guys saw what happened in northern Italy? Oh, yeah. Cor- they quarantined 16 million people. Yeah. So, literally, gyms are closed. Uh, like uh, all, No soccer games can be held. Uh, funerals and weddings all canceled. Restaurants are open, but the restaurants have to separate people by three meters, so you're kind of isolated. Um, they they're not they're encouraged to not leave and self quarantine, and if they think you're you're trying to get out of there, then you can actually be jailed. Now, why are they doing that? In Italy, the cases of coronavirus double, double, doubled. So you guys know how like you ever hear the uh, the the riddle like Would you rather have a dollar today and it double every day, or would you rather have uh, you know, and it double every day for the next sixty days, or would you rather have five million dollars? And the correct answer is, I'd rather have the dollar that doubles because it's exponential growth. Mm. Uh, growth at the end of it, you'd end up with, you know, billion dollars. That's what happens to the virus. And so what they're trying to do, they're trying to stop it before it just goes out of hand. Um, now, as far as like the the death rate and all that stuff, it's hard to say. And I was asking them about this. I said, you know, I read somewhere that the death rate was like one to three percent, which would make it terrible. Like that mm-hmm. would be. 
a terrible, terrible thing. And they said, yeah, but that inc- that's only including the people that get tested. Mm-hmm. And people typically don't go to the hospital unless they're really sick. Yeah. We don't know about all the people who just had a cold or right. had no and symptoms. And they had it and they don't even realize yeah, they had it. And, they and then the 60% that fully recovered. Yeah, and there's people that- That did have it. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, the point is you, it probably is understandable that a, a, the Arnold Classic gets canceled. Yeah. Of all the things, right? You know what I'm saying? Like of all the things that- Yeah, it was a precaution that was looks looks like it was necessary. Yeah. You know what I look at too, though, is that economic uh, ramifications really go downstream. And so let's say you're- you look at a city like Columbus, Ohio. This is by far the biggest event that happens there. Everybody was telling us, right? Yeah. So that means it's a lot of money. It's a lot of revenue, a lot of tax money. There's a lot of businesses that completely depend on this. There was a, you know, uh, one guy said that his business gets 30% of all of his revenue for the whole year just on the weekend of the Arnold. That's so that, insane. That's devastating to a business it like is. that. Completely. So now think of all the downstream ramifications. Is that going to cause more sickness and death versus the potential for this virus? Well, that's an interesting. Well, you, you saw it affected the airline business uh, oh. with these ghost flights. Uh, oh, have you heard of this? Yeah, this is over in Europe, right? Yeah, or, or, yeah. So they had to actually like still to be able to keep their spot. So they have like certain amount that they they I guess they they sign you know, slots slots that, that, that they own and and even though they're not getting the numbers to even fill any of these planes up they still have to fly them in order to maintain uh, their position so which actually put a couple bit one well, or two business out of business. Well, explain that. So the- so so there's so the airlines in Europe they are uh, you are allotted certain amount of slots. So if give you're me United. Example. Okay, so I'm United Airlines. You I'm, have these. Here's your time yeah. slots. Here's, here's your the time, time slots. Here's that your you gates. can that you can fly in and out. You're, you're already right. booked yep. for them. Now, yep. if you don't fly in and out, you yep. lose it. Yeah. So that's a great example of a stupid it's law. A regulation that yeah. they, they applied. Because wow. what's happening now is these so now they're forced to fly just to keep their slot burn and burn fuel it. and do all this and when it, pollute when the nothing. environment, yeah, exactly. and just waste gas yeah. with they, an empty plane, completely empty or just like low, completely, completely empty. No. Yep. They're yes. flying. They're flying completely empty planes back and forth. Isn't that isn't that asinine? Yeah, that's that's a great example of. of Meanwhile, uh, we have we have this like global warming, people freaking out over, and you you have the The irony. We have people talking about carbon footprints and doing all Mm -hmm. this, and you're talking about in one day's time. This is so funny to me when shit like this happens because. If this is true, Justin, so you're, and I'm assuming that's true. I read the same article. Okay, so so you're 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 telling me there's got to be more than one one plane too that's flying ghosts for this to make news, right? Yep. Yep. So I would I I would speculate that the the damage on the ecosystem that this one plane this or this multiple ghost planes could do is more than I could do by changing all of my behaviors and and yep. But oh, that's so yeah, not only not only that's that so crazy to it me. Not crazy. only that, but think of the inefficiency that is happening with the gas, the the cost of the gas, the employees. That are, that's all money that comes out of every. That's all money that's going to make travel yeah, this expensive. This is all just negative revenue. You know what this reminds me of? So. Uh, farmers would do this uh, when they would have these again more more central planning. Farmers were would were be encouraged to burn wheat so that they keep the price of wheat at a certain level. It's just stupid. It's so yeah. terrible. It makes no sense. Here's some practices you could do because I did a lot of reading on like how I could possibly help myself. Obviously, wash your hands. Here's a big one: your cell phone, the surface on your cell phone. A virus can live on there for like ten hours. <laughs> so you touch everything, and then you touch your cell phone. 
So one smart thing you might want to do is wipe uh, your cell phone down. Yeah, yeah, like two or three times a day, use like a Clorox wipe, wipe your cell phone down, <laughs> and then wash your hands. Well, I was happy Rachel brought some of the the disinfectant wipes. I was doing that all on the plane, like you know, as you <laughs> dude, as you bring like that uh, that little table, that fold out table down, and everything. I'm like, I'm touching all this I stuff know. that has been like you know sneezed on and caught. Oh, they give me a steaming hot cloth to wipe down all that. Area. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, you paid two hundred. <laughs> Captain Bougie over You here. paid two hundred sixty bucks extra, so you can sit in the front. Oh, dude, my cheap ass partners, dude, flying yeah, coaches, know, right? right? There. Yeah, the front, bro. I get champagne. Hey, I get my own dinner. Like they nobody give me, on the flight. They I'm give me. Like, they give me a hot towel to wipe down all that stuff, man. Yeah, yeah no, they I come know. every hour. Or we, so we were do. doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we were definitely doing it wrong. But hey, I, I do want to say a few words about the event that we had. Um, the VIP, bro. Oh, let the VIP. Let's, let's, start, let's start with that. You, the, let me tell you beforehand. that, uh, <clears throat> first of all, uh, I'm not going to lie, being completely transparent, whenever we do private stuff like that, I'm always a little nervous of the characters that we're going to get. Like, you just don't, you have no idea who, who you're going to get in a, in a room like that. And we're, and we're going to be hanging out with them for hours. Like, and I, I was so, um, I was just in, so impressed with the the group of people that it attracted. So cool that um, I could have talked to them and hung out with them all night long. In fact, I hope that we stay in contact uh, with these guys because all of them were really really cool. I oh mean, yeah, each each one of the dudes that showed up to this event. We had, this is a this one we had all guys. We've never had all guys. We normally have a mix mm-hmm. of couples, women, and. And for some reason, it was uh, five five dudes that 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 signed up for it, and all from different walks. You know, you had Sebastian, who was the the general uh, contractor, mm-hmm. had the twenty month year old uh, son, right? Yeah, Samson, yeah. yeah, right. That's really cool. So he was he was a GC, right? Then we had Andrew, who brought the gifts. He was the Viking. Yeah, that and Andrew, he owns the the car uh, dealerships. Yeah, he has like fifteen of them. Extremely yeah, successful. He's, he's actually he actually messaged me. And what said, a fun guy! He's, he's, he's going to try and hook dude. me up with yeah. uh, with the car in the future. What, Super charismatic. What dude. a what a fun guy. Right, and then next to him you had uh, Jamal, who I was talking to a lot, which opened up with talking about how he thought I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna be. I like him because he has a group training class. He's got three different locations. You know, there. he's as old as we are. Have you seen uh, the, the dude's Jack? Dude, he's so Jack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. super Jack. Yeah. So, such made me a, feel insecure. Such a great time hanging out and talking to him. And then I had Andrew, uh, the other Andrew, Andrew who didn't bring a gift. He was in hospitality. Left. Yeah, regional regional vice president hospitality for hotels. Super yeah, witty character, dude. right out the gates. Yeah. Like so, we know when you get to a, a restaurant, they do the, uh, you know, the guy comes over. We're in a fancy place, we're in a private room, and so the uh, the waiter comes over, and they always read like the fancy, you know, yeah. special. Yeah, today's and, special is you know uh, venison, you know, covered in elderberry. This and then you know, oh yeah, with the special yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It goes on for like Go, ten minutes. Goes on for like ten minutes. How detailed it, and then there's like this pause afterwards, and Andrew's like, "Oh, I made that last night." He's like, "Damn it, I'll get something yeah, else." Yeah. <laughs> he, he did it so good though that I actually kind of I I bit hook line and sinker. I was like, "Real? Like, oh, you uh, fucker, you got yeah, me." Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. "My people, dude. This yeah, dude yeah, was yeah. was so great, man." And then what was uh, Glenn, uh, dude? Yeah, Glenn, the grass cutter, the, the grass cutter, dude <laughs> from Canada. So I swear, we're and, trying to figure out what kind of grass. By the way, first of all, and we didn't say this to Glenn while we were there, but all of us, I have to I have to tell Glenn afterwards. We're like, this dude. We all afterward afterwards were like. Was he bullshitting us? I think he's a drug dealer, and he didn't want to tell us. <laughs> and so I had to, I had to tell him afterwards because I, he, the way he said grass cutter, like so nonchalant, like he sits around on a lawn, uh, riding lawnmower all day long, and that's how. And I'm like, this dude did not afford this by just cutting <laughs> some grass. But sure as shit, I, I talked to him afterwards, and I put my arm around him when I saw him at the, uh, the event the next day. 
And I'm like, hey, bro, you could tell me now that it's just you and I. Like, you know, are you like in the weed business? Was that like code for like? His, right, his, right. His, <laughs> he starts laughing at me. Yeah. He goes, no, no. He goes, no, no, bro. I really cut grass for that. I was like, get the fuck out of yeah. here. I said, we really thought you were just pulling our Such leg. Such a cool guy. Oh yeah, man, yeah, yeah. all but, of them. But then the crowd that we had at Fellow the Niners at the guy. event later, um, uh, you know, this is the first time we we made it out to the you know the Midwest, right? Uh, where we we kind of, we we've never gone out that far east. To have a live event, and you know what they say about the Midwest—it's—it's it's, it's true, the friendliness, the warmth that you Dude, feel. The people, from people are awesome, man. One of the best crowds uh, we've ever had. Everybody was so genuine and so nice and so, so just great. Yeah, uh, just really, really great people. Had such great conversations with people, hearing their stories, and of course, it's always humbling. It always, you know, reminds us why we do. Well, what the, we do. I I was blown away just by the show percentage. Right, you always whenever you, we do events, like you, you anticipate about a ten percent. Uh, fall off, especially just, since the Arnold was canceled. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. You have a you have a large group like that. Uh, just that many people plan a date that far in advance. Somebody gets sick, mm -hmm. emergency happens in the family. You just uh, you just attribute that ten percent will probably fall off minimum uh, from that. And with the coronavirus and the Arnold being class uh, canceled, and it being Ohio and thinking there's not a lot of things out going on out there, we really were. I mean, we we were considering canceling it because we thought, okay. Be ready. We're going to get a flood of people wanting to refund their money, and we're obviously going to do it, if, especially if we don't do the event. And at what point do we cancel it? Like when we get 50% cancellations? And mm -hmm. so we were kind of like freaking out when the news first came out and considering that we weren't going to do it. And we literally got one message uh, of somebody saying, hey, we're not going to come out to Ohio. Can we refund refund the tickets? And we absolutely- yeah, we had a packed house. Yeah. And then I, everybody was there, there man. There was 150 some people yeah, there. That was great. I was just- Super cool. And, you know, we had Lori Christie King showed up supporting oh, us, which love. meant a lot to me, but, you know, and I know you guys as well, but it was just cool, man. I mean, like- we, we meet a lot of cool people like doing what we do and everything, but it's just so rad to see people that like just come just literally just to support she's, us. She's awesome. If yeah. you don't follow her, you need to. You need no. to find her on Instagram. I love her. LCK, dude. Yeah, she's, she's badass. She's really cool. But again, back to the to coronavirus thing. So I was looking up natural potential ways to strengthen your immune system. Mm -hmm. Obviously, number one, uh, make sure your vitamin D levels are, are high. Low vitamin D levels, definitely your immune system takes a hit. And here's the other one. So elderberry, which I've talked about on the podcast a billion times, I looked up at how elderberry works exactly to, to prevent viruses because studies have shown that it works legit on, uh, you know, on the flu. It works on the cold. So it's generally an antiviral. And the way it works is, and I, I looked it up, it inhibits the early stages of an infection by blocking key viral proteins responsible for the viral attachment and entry into the host cell, so it hmm. might be a good idea during this this you know this Just season prophylactically to take it. Yeah, get yourself some elderberry, take it you know once a day, um, and it could help prevent uh, infection. Or if you do get infected, um, you know make it a much more milder. Yeah, yeah remind you know, people case. what prophylactically dude, means. It means Just, upside yeah. down anally. Yeah, it's not anally. Yeah, no, yeah, that's, dude, that's, that's wrong. No, you guys wrong. said that to Rachel today. I saw the look on her face. I'm like, why would you? Why would you use a term like that? <laughs> Prophylactic. Yeah, it just means you take it like yeah, you know, just ahead. Like, yeah, like, ahead of time. Yeah, yeah but why would you prevention use that minded? Yeah, because that's why? the way. That's how you say it. No, no. And there was like, that's where, the real way where do I pour it if you say that? You know what I'm saying? That's what that sounds like. Don't do that. I knew because I live with a nurse. She says that all the time. Oh, okay. So that's different. Yeah, exactly. I know. 
you're yeah. right. Come she on, guy. She tells same. you to do it. I expect that from Sal. <laughs> not from, I expect that from Sal, not from you. She's yeah. Like, yeah. Like, well, hey, here, here. I I wanted to make you know a point of like at least bringing one like really fucking weird fact in on these conversations, and I wanted to see if like like first of all, if Sal already knew it already. Right, like oh. this is like a little oh, game no. I have in my head, right? All right so, let's see. Uh, so you guys obviously know the big, humongous brand Pringles and what they do in terms of like, you know, like how they packed all those, you know, compact chips into this like uh, tube and yeah. everything, and that was like their whole thing. So the inventor of that. Uh, have you heard the story about like what he did like after he died? No. Or, yeah. So he. I didn't know this. Okay. So basically, he had in his will and everything. He had it's very specifically written out that he wanted to have his ashes put in a Pringle can. What? Mm. <laughs> and, but, Is that and, true? And yes. Then, and then buried? Yeah. No. Like like so they couldn't fit all his ashes into the Pringle can, but he literally had his ashes in a Pringle can at the end. Like, there's like some. That, this is my opus. This does, is my masterpiece. Does some lucky customer get to buy it, or is yeah. it just, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what dude. kind of chips? Are, like oh. put it on your mantle. I like, mean, if, uh, if that was what, obviously, if that's what probably fundamentally changed his life and maybe his generations to come behind him. I don't know how much mm. money he made off of that. I'd probably yeah, want to, right? like want to be His legacy to all his family and everybody else. Yeah, like, yeah. He's got his, I wonder what flavor was my question. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was he like onions, you know, chives, or, or are we talking barbecue? <laughs> Sour cream? Disgusting. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. like Pringles? I do. Really? Yeah, they're actually, yeah. Yeah. Pringles well, are fake chips. I know, but it's they engineered chips. them so you like them. Oh, you know what I mean? It's like super engineered. I mean, I what do you them. mean fake chips? Arnold, what do you mean by that? They're, yeah. they're not carved off a potato and, and, and fried. They're, they're, they're potato flakes that they press into the shape with uh, other ingredients. They smash. Like, and then they create these perfect... You think they carve a potato every time and it makes a perfect... <laughs> chip that fits on top uh, of each bro, other? Bro, they do. There's a lot of cool things we uh, do. I don't know. I, I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> yeah, shit. I, just, I just found I that out and I was interested. I didn't know that. I mean, how much of it is less real chip than another chip? Is Aren't chips all kind of like that or no? No, a chip, I mean, a real chip is, is fried in oil. It's just a piece of a potato fried in oil with salt. Pringles. And they fall that way perfectly? Everyone carves them in perfect triangles? No, 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 no. You ever open a bag of Lay's? All the chips, you can't lay them on top of each other. They're all different. But this, this, this is like potato flakes, and then they, and, yeah, and then they, they add. So you're, stuff what you're trying to say to me right now is that Pringles are more fake than Lay's. Yeah, I don't know, Doug. I yeah. think you should fact check wow. to that one point. I don't yeah. know if I'm yeah. gonna which buy one's that more fake. Yeah. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. First question is from Fun Size Nutrition. Mm. What's your take on it's red little. light therapy? Does it actually help reduce the appearance of cellulite? 100%. If you saw what Justin's ass looked like before he started using the Juve light, it's yeah. unbelievable yeah. how much cellulite so much he cleared now. up. He had yeah. a lot of dimples yeah. before. A lot. Way less dimples now. Yeah. Actually, if you go I to wasn't his- getting any tips. If you DM, he'll sh- he'll send you the- Before uh, and after. <laughs> no, it's all stuff. <laughs> okay, so you want to hear something crazy about this? Okay, this there is- There is some truth to it, my right? My wife doesn't like it when we talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> this, is the, this, is, this is weird now. Red light therapy has some pretty interesting effects on skin and the appearance of cellulite. No joke. Now, I want to be clear. Nothing- is going to reduce cellulite as much as getting leaner. <laughs> Nothing's going to do it 
like eating a good diet, mm-hmm. uh, exercising, getting good sleep, all that stuff. There's nothing that can compare to that. Well, so somebody asked this uh, similar question as this to me. They actually asked specifically about the Juvelide and what I thought about as an investment because I've talked about it. They, I probably post the most about it and use it the most out of all of us. And I actually referred to the Instagram post that Sal just posted up. So it's the most recent post that he's done where he's wearing the cool guy blue blocker glasses. Um, and I and I, I think the I think the post is so important, and I think it's so important that people read it uh, when we talk about products like this because uh, no matter who we who we partner with and and what sponsors we think have a lot of validity and value to add to people's lives, and even if we are using it and love it. We will always stand by. Uh, yeah. w- this is the priority first. Like you have to know where it fits in the hierarchy of importance. Absolutely. So if your diet's bad, you you're you're got a lot of uh, your high body fat percentage. Um, using red light might help a little bit, but it's not going to help as much as changing diet and you know exercising a lot of stuff. Now that being said, here's the deal. Uh, there's real studies mm-hmm. that actually show that it works. Yep. I, I, so it sounds crazy. In fact, this is how. I got. I finally got convinced to even consider partnering with a red light therapy company like Juve, which you know we've done our research and they have the best uh, products that out that that are out there in terms of uh, uh, you know effectiveness, quality of the light, just quality and effectiveness. But what what sold me was I read all the studies because it sounded too good to be true. Mm-hmm. They were making claims like using red light therapy helps regrow hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, reduce the appearance of cellulite, tightens up testosterone, tightens up skin, raises testosterone. All of those sound like the biggest bullshit claims ever. That's all my red flags go up. Awesome snake oil. Yeah, when I hear that. But when you look at the studies, it's for reals. Uh, The appearance of cellulite, they've done several studies on this. In fact, uh, some beauty salons will actually have red light uh, therapy lights there a lot you of can them, use. A lot of them do. In they fact, do. that was the first time I'd ever seen one was at a, like a salon like that with them using it. So before we even heard of Juve, I remember the first time I saw one of those, I was yep. like, what the hell Now is here's that? the problem with the ones at the salon, and here's the truth. The truth is for you to reap the benefits of using red light therapy, you have to use it consistently. Mm-hmm. It's, not like a, it's not a one-time treatment and then you notice uh, results. So beauty, the, the beauty salon red light, unless you're going to the beauty salon three to four days a week and using the red light there, it's probably not going to do anything for you if you go get your your, your once a month facial or whatever and then right. use the red light. It's not going to do much. It's a It has to be done consistently. That's what the studies show. The studies show that a regular use of red light therapy you know, has all these benefits. Now, how does it work? Um, well, what the red light actually does, it, it, it actually uh, penetrates pretty deep in the skin and it, it tells the mitochondria of the cells in the body to produce more energy. By producing more energy, you get better collagen uh, production. You get the stimulation of cells to produce hair. So people who are losing their hair, red light therapy has been FDA approved uh, to to you know cause hair growth, uh, regrowth. Now it's not going to take like it's not going to make you from bald to like a full head of hair. But if you're thinning, you notice my brother noticed a huge difference. Oh. Uh, he actually posted. Yeah, the, that's pretty dramatic. Yeah, that was what this the person that was asking me was actually asking in relation to that, and they know my whole story. And I said and exactly what I said back to them is, "This is what I noticed personally. I noticed that when I am doing it at least three times a week for a good 15, 20 minute session, um, I feel like my hair is thicker. The minute I stop doing it, I feel like it kind of regresses and goes yep. back. And so it's something that." You know, I just have to make part of my routine. And then, you know, I've set it up in our spare room and it's part of my routine. It's actually uh, Max. I'm normally playing with Max when I have it on and I'm kind of just sitting in front of it while I'm doing that. And then I'm also answering DM stuff. 
It's just uh, I've made it into a habit that I constantly do it all. The yeah, time. I still use my. I remember there was a study that came out about the cognitive benefits, and I've had it like shining every time I go down in my office and I'm doing work. I have it on, and it's mm-hmm. like it's beaming right at my face and right at my head. And uh, so just because like I know that uh, you know it's it's not going to be a detriment to me. It's going to be if anything, it's going to be a positive benefit. So uh, you know that's something that I'm just constantly yep. trying to be conscious about, like applying. Yeah, it reduces uh, uh, wrinkles and fine lines through collagen production. So uh, again, in studies, uh, and these are real studies, people using it on a regular basis saw that their wrinkles got a little... Because if you boost collagen production, you're going to have less wrinkles and less cellulite. Your skin's going to feel a little, look a little tighter, um, you know, a bit more plump or whatever. Um, so it actually legit works. And it's crazy to say that because it sounds so crazy. Mm. But the studies go way back. So this is, by the way, red light therapy is not new um, the, the good products are relatively new, but the science has been around for a long time and scientists, these studies, they go way back. They go decades back where you could see that it actually has these positive effects. Now, really high quality. Here's the two drawbacks. The one drawback is it must be used consistently. So it's not something you could do every once in a while. If you use it, use it, uh, weekly, probably two to three days a week is, uh, is, is probably best. The second thing is high-quality red light therapy devices are not cheap. Right. They're not inexpensive. If you go online, you'll find a lot of red light therapy lamps and lights, and they're inexpensive or whatever. They probably yeah, the could, same thing. you could paint your light bulb exactly. red. It's not going to do the same thing. No, and it's also the, the, the wavelength. It's, is it being scattered or is it focused? The power. There's a lot of things you want to consider. It's not inexpensive uh, technology, so. But there uh, are options too, like those little minis. Like I, I do tend to like you know that's where I'm. I'm more mobile with that, so I'll bring that with me when I need to use it. So they do have options for that. They're a little less, you know, of a dent in your wallet. Well, I look. I tell you what, you know, this is what I said to uh, because we have one at home, and Jessica would use it on her, you know, face and stuff like that. And the way she rationalizes, she's like, look, 15 minutes, three days a week. Versus having to spend that much more time putting my makeup on to try and cover up wrinkles or whatever. She says it's a, it's a trade-off. I'm actually spending the same amount of time, if not less. Mm-hmm. So I might as well just use this a few days Well, and you can multitask. I mean, I know that my sister, the way she uses it, right? She's on, on her computer all day long. She just mounts it right up right next to her Oh, computer. while she's mm-hmm. working. Yeah, so it's just blasting her in the face while she's sitting there working. <laughs> so, <laughs> Make yeah, it sound crazy. Sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> I mean that, and, and that's yeah. how I use it. I don't, I don't do it. You just let a blaster. Right yeah. In the face. Well, well, I know. I I do other things while, and that's part of why I like the big one because the big one illuminates my entire room, right? So I can kind of like move around a little bit and do things, yeah. you know. So I like to now, be able to multitask. I know how compression socks work in terms of like varicose veins and things uh-huh. like that. Like, uh, how is there any impact? Like, you could do like compression pants or anything like that to address like, um, what do you cellulite? call it? cellulite? No, I don't think yeah, so. No. No, that's, a, that's probably more beauty hustle. Yeah, no, I don't. Throw, yeah. I don't think so. I know that they can wrap. You can wrap your body with these plastic wraps and whatever, and then you'll get this temporary size shrink. Yeah, and then you know, it's you know, hours water. later, it's it just co- water. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 hours later. I don't think a juve light's going to burn more body fat. Although there are some interesting studies that show that it does uh, cause a little bit of an extra calorie burn. Um, so you could theorize that it might, but I think it's going to be trivial, uh, that kind of stuff. So I, I wouldn't say burns fat or anything like that. Recovery, uh, it's been well known that red light therapy uh, speeds up uh, muscle recovery. Um, I know physical therapists have used it in the past mm-hmm. uh, for joint healing and wound healing. Wound healing is where a lot of the science is um, with red light therapy, where it actually uh, helps speed up uh, the healing of wounds. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of applications 
Um, but if you're doing everything right, um, it definitely works. And oh, Doug's making, he made a note there. That is very true. Because the technology is not cheap, they do offer a payment plan. So you can uh, invest in, in red light therapy and you don't have to pay it all uh, up front. Next question is from Joel Carnes 3. If I lift heavy, will it cause my joints to hurt over time? If so, is there any way to prevent it? Uh, yes and no. Okay, right. Yeah, Oops, it, was, exactly. it really depends how you lift heavy, how good your mobility is. That being said... And how often. And, and how, how often you cycle out of it. Yeah, that. but that being said, if you're constantly testing, you're pushing your body, even if you do everything perfect, at some point, you know, a 180-pound guy squatting you know, 350 pounds or 400 pounds or deadlifting 500 pounds, that is a lot it's of weight. It's pressuring the hinges constantly. Yeah, so at some point, maybe, you know, you might you, you, it might cause some joint pain, but the, the big bulk of whether or not it does or not has to do with your mobility and your technique. Right. That's really the most of it. Well, I think of it like, you know, get on your, <laughs> go in your house or your, your, your front door and then jump on the door and swing on it one time and it probably won't rip it off the hinges, but do that every fucking day for weeks on weeks on weeks and see what happens eventually. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's the same concept. Like, you know, and I think that most people, and we talk about this a lot. Like, I think we, we all love to lift heavy. Um, and I, I tend to stick in that phase longer than when I should. And the first sign of, I know I need to get out of it is the, the achy joints. It's like, once I start feeling that, Mm -hmm. um, or feeling tight all the time, right. Losing mobility, uh, I know that I've stayed in that phase too long. It's time for me to move out of it. So I think uh, as far as how long you can lift heavy, you, I think you could lift heavy for years and year forever if you learn to cycle in and out of it and give yourself that recovery. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you'll hear the term like bullet, bulletproofing your joints or uh, like I, I like to think of it as like fortifying like my joints. I want to I want to put the effort in to constantly have in my routine a plan to, you know, make sure I, I maintain the mobility and the strength around the joints to really then keep applying that type of, you know, demand and load and pressure, uh, you know, for my muscles to to respond to so um but yeah you, you still have to weave in and out of it because you inevitably you're going to get to a point where you know you, you're really pressing outside uh, the limitations there and you know you, you don't always know what that looks like especially if you're really kind of grinding out like a, a super heavy load so yeah testing your max all the time would be where i'd, I'd say well we got to be careful but look i tell you what i trained a lot of older people for a long time i'd say at least for 10 years of my career i specialized in training people over the age of 60 and I had them do heavy phases, and all of them got better joint mobility and better movement and felt better. This is true. You know, I'm talking about the guy or girl who pushes themselves to the point where they're hitting PRs and they're lifting a lot of weight on top of it. Then you got to be careful. Like, once you reach a certain level of strength, yeah. then you got to, because when I look at here's the deal I take the average guy who's 180 pounds, 200 pounds. And I have them do a strength cycle. We might get up to, you know, 250-pound deadlifts or something like that, right? After years and years of training, like if you look at me, I've been working out for a long time. My heavy deadlifts are 500-plus pounds. If I make one small movement wrong in my deadlift with 500 pounds, the odds I'll hurt myself are higher than the dude that is still lifting heavy for himself, but it's only 250 pounds. That's a good point. So that's when it starts to kind of, you got to be careful. But I'll use Doug, Doug as, a, as an example. He hired me in uh, in his 40s. With back pain, it's actually the main reason why he hired me. We did, uh, and we did it properly, of course. We worked on, you know, getting his building his body up the right way. But we had him deadlifting, you know, three hundred and fifty, close to four hundred pounds. His back pain was gone 
you know? So li lifting heavy in that case actually benefited uh, the pain and made him feel a lot better. Um, you just have to be smart, listen to your body. I think the problems from lifting heavy, aside from poor mobility, poor movement, poor technique, the problems come from always trying to beat your previous best. At least that's my case. Mm -hmm. if, if I ever hurt myself, it's not from lifting heavy. It's from trying to beat what I did before. That's when I start to get into trouble. It's like, all right, I know what my max was before. Let me see if I can beat this. And and heavy is very relative to where you're at currently at totally, that moment, right? Totally. So like at heavy deadlifting right now for me is like in the four low 400s. Low 400s, that's really heavy for me right <clears> now. It's just I I don't have the same strength as when I was pulling 550. So you, you I can't think about the 550. I can't go into this deadlift session like if I'm going to deadlift today, like which is on my on my calendar. If I go to deadlift today and I decide today is a heavy day, well just because I was lifting well and deep into the 400s doesn't mean that I, that'll be a heavy day for mm -hmm. me today. So learning to adjust where you're currently at for what's heavy and I think some like it's a good point, Sal, because I think a lot of people compare, oh, this isn't that heavy for me. I've done way more than this. Well, it could mm -hmm. be very heavy for you right now if you yeah, haven't gotten great sleep, you have, you're doing on the same muscle mass as you had on back then. So learning to adjust that is so important to also taking care of your joints. Yeah, and we just recently saw um, Dexter Jackson compete in the Arnold Classic. He got second place. He's in his 50s. Uh, he's the most winningest bodybuilder of all time. So he's a pro bodybuilder. Pro bodybuilders obviously are at a different level. They train themselves. This guy's in his mid-50s, no injuries. Great movement, great mobility. But if you watch him, how he works out, he's very careful with his form and technique. Very different from Ronnie Coleman. Ronnie Coleman, one of the greatest bodybuilders of all time, did crazy things, dare I say stupid things, uh, for the video where he squatted 800 pounds or deadlifted 800 pounds. And that poor guy is suffering quite a bit. And you can see this down the list of these bodybuilders. Vince Taylor, another guy, I believe in his 60s now, that guy competed into his 50s. He was also very careful with the way he lifted weights and and all the people that I've ever worked out with or had work out in my gyms that were in their 60s, 70s and even 80s with great fitness, they were just smart. You know what I mean? They weren't all yeah. they weren't testing themselves all the time. They were just very smart with how they worked out and and their form of heavy lifting which was smart is what kept them away from pain, not the other way around. Next question is from Jamil A144. Is it better to do small portions of mobility work throughout the week, or should you dedicate a full day to just mobility? I just uh, addressed this in that last YouTube video that I did on our channel, that um, you you have to switch your mindset of mobility. It's it's different than like a workout and workout intensity, the mm -hmm. way you uh, approach it. Like it is far more beneficial that let, let's say uh, I, I let's just take one mobility move that I think has a lot of benefits for a lot of people, like the ninety ninety. And uh, it's spending an hour of doing all kinds of 90-90 moves uh, for an hour, like intense, doing all kinds of, uh, you know, on both sides and heel lifts and knee lifts and rotation and angling at your knee, then your calf, then your ankle, and like all these variations, just hardcore mobility 90-90 session for a day uh, is less valuable than doing uh, five days a week for five minutes. You know, five days a week for five minutes is going to give you – that's less time too. So it, frequency is king uh, in this case, and you're looking to do it. Uh, I'd rather see a client do, you know, three five-minute sessions in a day than a, you know, one-hour long session and they don't do it yeah. again for the rest of the week. Yeah, totally. You have to, you have to uh, ask yourself what the what, what is the outcome? What am I looking to do with mobility work? Am I looking to build muscle? No, you're not. And you, what you're looking to do is connect – to new ranges of motion and achieve better stability 
in those ranges of motion. So really, it's a practice thing. It's a connect and practice. Here's the other thing you're trying to do with mobility. You're trying to create new movement patterns. Okay, so think about it this way. Imagine if uh, for most of your life, your ankle was damaged. So you had very, very poor ankle mobility. And so as a result, you, en you ended up learning to walk a particular way. You walk with a slight lean or a slight hobble because your left ankle uh, was damaged. So that's just how you walk now, right? Then all of a sudden, there's this new medical advancement where they could actually fix your ankle to have perfect mobility. So you get that new treatment. Now your ankle moves well, but you've been walking for 10 years a particular way. You're not going to automatically switch to a new way of walking. That old way of walking is your second nature. That is your, your recruitment pattern. So what would be a better way to get a, a new way of walking? To just practice walking real hard for an hour every, once a week or to practice throughout the whole day every single day, right? Which one is going to create a new, new recruitment pattern? Same thing with mobility. That frequent practice throughout the day is far more beneficial than treating mobility like a workout that you're trying to build muscle. That's not how it works. Now, you're still going to get some benefit if you did the one day a week of mobility. It's still way better than nothing. Mm. But if you had to pick between the two, frequency would, would trump it all day long. Next question is from Chef Katie, 1989. What I eat in a day vlogs are very popular on social media. Why do you think we are so interested in what social influencers eat? Yeah, they I, are popular. Aren't I, they? I ask my I ask myself this question all right. the time. It's uh, to this day, it baffles me. Um, if I were to start tracking, and I've done this multiple times since I've had Instagram on, uh, and if I post um, like my my macro breakdown, and then I share the meals throughout the day, nothing gets more traction on my <laughs> stories than that alone. Yeah. It's uh, it's and it's fascinating to me like that people really uh, want to see that. And I I think there's, I think there's two sides to this, right? I think there like we've heard the term like food porn before. Mm. So I do think there's this people just. Oh, yeah. I, I do think that there's a, a a percentage of people that just obsess over seeing food, and more likely the ones that probably have relationship issues with it, and that are yeah. like fa almost fantasizing about all the different meals. I think there's that percentage, mm -hmm. and then I think there's a percentage of people that are just genuinely curious of, you know, okay, this guy talks about nutrition. I trust the information he's providing. I'm really curious to ex you know exactly what types of meals he's choosing on a on a day to day basis. It's also yeah, I think they feel they also see it as like a hack. You know, it's like a, this is a formula that I maybe I'm going to try this formula. Like this is something that I can implement. Uh, uh, you know, to give me you know whatever like amount of weight I need to lose. Like I'm going to just do exactly what you know. I want to look like this person, so therefore I'm going to like repeat those patterns I see. And to me, I see that too with you know athletes a lot. Like people like idolize people, and so it's like now I want to do all these crazy movements that's a good point because that's what these athletes are doing and so this is the formula yeah obviously yeah i also think because it's also it's not just fitness people it's also any celebrity if they post what they eat everybody's super interested part of it i'm sure is people wanting to be more like that person so they think oh if i see what they eat now I, I can eat the same way i think the other part of it is this what you eat does kind of say a lot about you and it is a bit of a private thing that is Private enough to where it's really interesting, but not so private that you're not you're not afraid to to share it. So it's like you get to peer into your favorite celebrities, you know, eating habits, which is a private part of their life. So it's mm. like you know, I'm a huge fan of you know whoever Tom Hanks, and oh, now I get to see what Tom Hanks eats all day long. I get a, a kind of a private view of the personal you know habits of this person. He's a real big casserole guy. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> think about it, like. 
you're, what you eat is a bit of, I mean, food is so shrouded in, in culture and context and, you know, all that stuff. Like, it is kind of fascinating. I mean, I find it fascinating as well. Not, a, not of all celebrities, but certain kind. I find, you know what I found really fascinating? Um, I went through a whole period where I was really interested to see what Andre the Giant was eating. Well, like, yeah, there you go. But that's because he's such a he's big huge, dude. Right. It was yeah. really crazy. Or like I know, like one of the most read articles is Michael Phelps, what he ate in a day. Like, yeah, uh, like yeah. ten thousand calorie thing. That thing went viral when everybody was talking about that. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, but it doesn't really give you any well, useful that, to, information. To me, that makes sense. Like, and I guess, I guess, in fitness, you're in this kind of performance space, whether it's for look or for lifting weights, right? So people are interested in what are these people eating to either look like this or perform like this. Yeah. So there's that curiosity I think that people a lot of people have you're right. I think this is to both your points here. I think that people are looking at, you know, and this person who's tell, telling this I'm assuming that they're in the space, right? I'm assuming that they're a, a fitness person and the people that are following you are probably interested in either one looking like you or two performing like you perform. And so it is, to, like Justin said, kind of a hack for them. It's like instead of me having to calculate my macros, figure all this out, like I identify with this person. I'm kind of like them. I want to be more like them. Mm -hmm. I'll just, you know, if I could see what they're eating, I'm going to eat the same way. So there's that curiosity. Yeah, you know what's really funny about this is uh, when a, a, a social media influencer or celebrity is being filmed on what they eat throughout the day, do you really think that that's representative? <laughs> Yeah. Of their of their everyday eating habits. No, you're getting the best. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you can't. You're, you're not going to just put out like the, the regular. You know, like I just had. Well, like, you know, I don't know. I, I would make the what I think it is. It's either one or the other. Really bad, right? It's not very. It's not a very good uh, snapshot of what's going on. I think either you have one side that shares all the good they're doing. Or you had the other side that annoys me all just as much. Days. All the cheat days. Yeah. To show that's all what I mean. It's not. It's none of. It's never representative. It's not like an average day. Though. Yeah, that's, what I'm it, that's what I mean. It's, yeah. it's 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 extreme one way or the other. Like, watch how many calories I can eat in a day, or watch my super perfect, you know, you know, blessed food from the you know whatever Himalayan mountains and the, you know the special fruit that you know, you know weird. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I think. Uh, yeah, I think they're doing. So it doesn't really represent what the real person. I mean, you imagine it's like following around. Gwyneth Paltrow and she has got you know a frozen burrito, you know out of the, out of the, my oh yeah this is my lunch today it's a frozen burrito. It's, I got a, from. it's an interesting like, hack whoa. that that what uh, social media people have figured out and I wonder what it would do. Like imagine if like we just made it an effort like okay every day when we start these podcasts you had to tell everybody what you did yesterday food wise. You ate yeah. <laughs> I bet yeah. you it would go crazy. Kill me. Yeah. I really, yeah, I know, I know, bro. I feel, It'd be I, boring. It would be for us, but I bet you a lot of After people, four episodes, you'd be like, again? Yeah. You yeah, that yeah, again? Again. Oh, <laughs> so stupid. What are yeah. you doing? Yeah. Anyway, go to mindpumpfree.com and download all of our guides, resources, and books. They all are totally free. You can also find the three of us on Instagram. You can find Justin at mindpumpjustin. Me at Mind Pump Sal and Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. 
The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.